I would love to, but someone far greater than me, uh, better at that than me is going to come up in just a few minutes. One of our graduates, Bernie Yetter, he's been chosen from this 91st graduating class of Sunset International Bible Institute by his classmates to speak to you this morning. And before he comes up, uh, I want to just tell you a little bit about Bernie. Uh, Bernie comes to us from Fort Myers, Florida. And he comes with his wife, Lori, and they have two children, Damien and Caitlin. And before coming to Sunset, Bernie was the director of operations for an air conditioning company. And during that time, he got to know one of our alumni, Jerry Tallman, and many hours sitting around table and food and talking about the Lord, Jerry saw in Bernie a great desire to preach the gospel, and he suggested to him that he come to Sunset. Well, Bernie wanted to come and check us out first, so he came here and floated around classes and church for a week, and if you ask Bernie, he'll say, that sealed the deal. I knew this was the place for me. So he went home and prepared and came back. Bernie wanted to prepare to be a gospel preacher, and here in a couple of weeks, he'll start as the full-time pulpit minister at the Westside Congregation in Seminole. Bernie speaks of his time here. He says, my greatest joy while being in SIBI as a student is the time that I spent with my teachers and classmates, and the entire experience has been a blessing for me. He says at sunset he's developed a much greater understanding of himself, of God, and he's going to leave here with a desire to give himself fully to the work of the Lord and in helping others become the people that God wants us to be. Well, Bernie, you have mentioned here that you're blessed to be here, but we want you to know that you and your family has been a blessing to us, and we're greatly encouraged with the desire and sincerity with which you're going to go and preach the gospel. So this morning, I want to invite you to come and preach the word, brother. Good morning, Sunset Church. Paul, thank you so much for those gracious words, but I'm sorry I have to disagree with you. I most certainly would not say that I'm better than you at almost anything, <laughs> but I'll do my best. Sunset, it's an honor to stand at this pulpit this morning with an opportunity to preach the word to this church that I love so dearly. The men that I've seen stand at this podium and preach have been, in my opinion, some of the most admirable, powerful preachers that have ever walked the earth. It's humbling to stand in their presence before you today. So with that, let's open up with a question. Has anyone been cloud-watching recently? <laughs> Does anyone do that anymore? Where you just go outside and you observe clouds? See, the object of cloud watching is you go outside and you do your best to find specific objects and shapes, animals, even people in the clouds. You can also get competitive about it. You can go with people and then what you want to do is find specific shapes or be the most creative in finding the best shapes. For example, when... My wife Lori and I go cloud watching together. It's always the first one to find a dinosaur that wins the day of cloud watching. See, the trick to being a successful cloud watcher is you have to look very closely at the clouds. 
And in so doing, you'll find something. Nowadays with cell phones and televisions and multimedia and video games, cloud watching more than likely is not as popular as it used to be. But there was a time when it was a real treat to just go outside and look at clouds. Now when you spend time reading the Bible, you can't help but notice that there are quite a few clouds in the pages of the scriptures. For instance, there's a pillar of cloud. There's rain clouds. Elijah saw a cloud the the size of a man's hand. So this morning, what we're going to discover is that if you look in the clouds, I'm confident that you will see God. This morning, we'll go to the scripture and we're going to look closely at a very particular cloud. And together, what we'll observe is that there are many ways that God blesses us through this cloud. And what we'll also find is that the more we look at this cloud of God, the better off we'll be. Go with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now let me address what I hope most of you are thinking already. And that is that this cloud of witnesses is not a cloud that's in the sky. It's a metaphorical cloud. But nevertheless, it is a cloud that we should be watching. We should watch the cloud of witnesses. Hebrews 11 describes the people that make up this great cloud as the faithful men and women of the past. It's men like Noah. Noah built the ark based not on what he saw, but based on what he believed would happen, according to the word of God. It's men like Abraham, who traveled into a foreign land based on the promise that he would receive that land, as well as the rest of his offspring. It's women like Sarah who went with her husband, Abraham, on this long journey, helping him and supporting him on the way. And it's women like Rahab who feared God more than any man and gave protection and intelligence to God's people so that they could be emboldened so that they could receive their promise. These people represent a small portion of the great cloud of witnesses. When we look at them, their lifetimes of faithful obedience to God witnesses to us. We get encouraged to throw off the hindrances that weigh us down in life spiritually and emotionally and mentally. And we get enabled to kick off those sins that trip us up and entangle us in life. We get emboldened so that we can fix our eyes on Jesus and we can live lives That are full of active faith. Look at Noah. God told Noah that the end of the world was coming. And he had a choice. He could either choose to live brazenly. Like the rest of the world. Or he could choose faithful obedience. Noah chose obedience. He chose to dedicate his life to to building an ark. 
Now, we know that the end of the world is coming. God's word told us. Those are the words of Jesus Christ himself. And we also have a choice. We could choose to live like the rest of the world. And we won't get washed away like in the days of Noah. But we're going to face the same consequence. Eternal death. Or we could choose faithful obedience in Jesus. And we're saved. When we look at Noah and we see the faithful actions that were in his life, then we get confident in God's word. When we look at Noah, we know that, yes, there will be an end to the world. However, we are sure that we could be saved by faith in God. Look at Abraham and Sarah. They were physically incapable of having a child. Yet, they chose to believe The promise that God gave them that they would have a son. In fact, Abraham even was willing to give that son as a sacrifice. Because he had so much faith in God that he believed he would just raise him right back up from the dead. When we look at Abraham and Sarah, their faithful action encourages us to be just as faithful in the word of God. Look at Rahab. Rahab chose to hide Joshua's spies, and she chose to give them top-secret government information. That's treason. She could have been killed. Yet, it was her faith that saved her life. And God's reaction to that faith was not only to bring her into his chosen nation, but she was placed in the very bloodline of Jesus Christ himself. When we look at Rahab, her faith and God's response to her faith encourages us to get emboldened in our faith. See, they represent the type of people that are in the great cloud of witnesses. These are people who made difficult choices to live lives of faith and self-sacrifice. And when we look at them, it enlivens us. It speaks to our spirit and it gets us ready to get up and go and make faithful Decisions of active faith in our own personal lives. When the Hebrew writer dubbed these men and women a cloud, he used a very particular word. In the ancient Greek, there was more than one word that meant cloud, just like in our modern English language. For instance, we have the word cirrus clouds. Those are the long, wispy clouds that look like strands of hair that are suspended in the sky. We have cumulus clouds, the big, white, fluffy clouds that look like balls of cotton that are suspended up in the air. See, clouds like these are distinct. They are detached from one another. They are in clear shapes and sizes. While these clouds are in the sky, you can see sunlight coming through where they are separated from each other. These are not the type of clouds that the Hebrew writer used when he described the faithful witnesses. The Greek word here literally means one dense single cloud. It's the kind of cloud that covers the entire sky. When this cloud is overhead, then the only sunlight that we see is the light that is coming through the cloud. And that's how the Hebrew writer describes God's faithful witnesses. See, 
they are a great single cloud that surrounds us. And it is through them that we see God's shining light in our own lives. The cloud does not block the light of God. Rather, it diffuses it and it spreads it across the face of the earth. Now, looking at this cloud is good for us. It helps us. It shows us how to give better spiritual sacrifices to God. And it strengthens our beliefs in God. And it helps us live lives that are more pleasing to God. The book of Hebrews in chapter 11 would also tell us that there are more people in this cloud. When we look at verses 32 through 38, the writer said that he did not have time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. There wasn't enough time to talk about the matriarchs and the patriarchs and the judges. Surely if he had more time, he would have written about many more faithful witnesses. He could still be writing about them Today, he'd be writing about the cloud of witnesses that are right here. See, as we in the church today live out lives of faithful actions and we put into practice the things that we believe and hear in the pages of the Bible, then we get added to that same cloud of faithful witnesses. Surely, the cloud of great witnesses includes the faithful actions of every brother and sister here today. Whether you teach the Bible, whether you evangelize, whether you go out on missions, or whether you are a faithful giver or an encourager, whether you give comfort to people when they hurt, or whether you give godly counsel you are a part of the great cloud of witnesses. And God's light shines through you and onto the people that you surround. What more can be said? There's not enough time to talk about all of the people of great commendable faith that surround us. The cloud is full. It's not full to capacity. There's no such thing as a maximum capacity of faithful people in God's number. Rather, it's full as in, it's the opposite of empty. Full clouds are rare in West Texas. How nice would it be if we all got home from church today, and right before you walk into your front door, you look up and you see a full cloud. And it was about to burst forward with rain. Wouldn't that make your day? I'm from the Gulf Coast of Florida. We don't know what it means to need full clouds on the Gulf Coast of South Florida. There's just not many droughts when you live 15 minutes away from the Gulf of Mexico. But now I'm a Texan. Now I share your thirst for rain. I know the excitement that's involved when you look up in the sky and you see a full rain cloud. <laughs> that's good news. We need those clouds that are full. Well, there's a full cloud right here. Right in the middle of Lubbock. It's not a rain cloud. It's a cloud full of faithful witnesses. It's full of your faithful lives. 
And it gives a godly reign of encouragement to anyone who sees you living out your faith in Jesus Christ. Thankfully, we are especially blessed by this cloud because it surrounds us. We're surrounded. That could be a scary phrase, right? When I was talking to the preaching team about this sermon, Bill Tracy warned me, you better be careful when you shout that out. The security team might go for their weapons. <laughs> it's an ominous phrase in certain contexts, right? Sometimes being surrounded means you got to give up. Sometimes being surrounded means it's time for surrender. Sometimes being surrounded means it's time to defend yourself. But being surrounded means that it's time to react. The co-writer of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, Jack Canfield, was once quoted to say, Make a conscious effort to surround yourself with positive, nourishing, and uplifting people. People who believe in you and encourage you and applaud your victories. Now, when the book of Hebrews talks about witnesses, it's talking about people who inspire us to do better. When we ourselves live lives that follow the example of those faithful witnesses, that's an excellent thing. That's hitting the target in life. But how good is it to see others following biblical examples of faith around us? Isn't that nourishing? Isn't that uplifting and encouraging? When you see the people that are all around you living out lives of biblical faith? See, that gives us confidence. And even more so, when you not only see other people finding powerful victories in your faith, but then when you come to learn that they're being encouraged when they see you living out powerful victories in your faith. Well, right there, you have a cloud that surrounds you. In this way, we surround each other as an encouraging cloud of witnesses. So what will our response be as we look around at our faithful brothers and sisters in faith? Will we be motivated to let go of our spiritual and emotional hindrances in life? And to let go of those sins that tangle us up? Will we be motivated to live lives of bold, active faith? Will we be motivated to be like the cloud of faithful witnesses? Not only those who fill the pages of our Holy Bible, but also those who share the pews right here with us in the church. See, God placed us in his church so that we could be surrounded by this cloud of faithful witnesses that will invigorate our faith. But we can have even more encouragement than that. Because God is in the cloud. Nearly every time you see a cloud in the Bible, there's God. When Solomon built the temple and they, pray, they placed the Ark of Covenant inside that temple... A cloud fills the building. There's God. 
In the Exodus, when the Israelites are rescued from Egypt and they're being led through the wilderness by a pillar of cloud, there's God. When the word comes from the mountain, from God's mouth, and there is a cloud over that mountain, there's God. In the transfiguration, the cloud comes over Jesus and the three apostles that are with him. And the voice says, this is my son. In him I am well pleased. He is my chosen one. He is my beloved. Listen to Jesus. There's God. God works in the clouds. He dwells in the clouds. He leads in clouds. He shines his light through clouds. But most importantly, God speaks through his clouds and he shows himself through his clouds. Family, would it be right to say that God has worked in you? That he dwells in you? That he leads you? That he shines light on the world through you? Would it be right to say that people all over Texas, that people all over the world have heard his word spoken to them because of your work as a church with God? Yes, that would be right. Because in this church, there is a cloud that is full of faithful witnesses. And wherever you have a cloud that is full of God's faithful people, there's God. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that for the last two years I've been surrounded. I've been surrounded by my teachers at SIBI. I've been surrounded by my faithful brothers and sisters in our classrooms. But I've been surrounded by the faithful witnesses of Sunset Church of Christ. I'm thankful that the whole graduating class has been surrounded. For these last two years we've spent most of our days learning about missions, ASL ministries, women's ministries, family and youth ministries, how to teach and preach the word. And I'm thankful because all the while you've been surrounding us. You've been positive. You have been uplifting. You have been nourishing people. You've believed in us. You've encouraged us. You've applauded our victories. You've surrounded my class with a great cloud of witnesses. Thank you for that. In Hebrews 11, the individuals that are in the cloud of witnesses all had something in common. Whether they died by the sword, whether they were imprisoned or martyred or stoned or persecuted or whether they were just taken up into heaven, or spent their entire lives in the wilderness, or whether they were blocked from entering God's physical promised land at all, they, all these people were still living by faith when they died. Hebrews eleven thirteen. They were all faithful until the end. The result of that lifetime of faithfulness it's a legacy that'll last forever. This church, 
You've all been faithful in your godly pursuits for well over six decades. Look at the legacy. Look at the nations that have been missioned. Look at the ministers that have been prepared and sent out. Look at the Christians that have been discipled. I challenge you, try to count the number of souls that have been led to our Lord Jesus Christ through this church. The church legacy is monumental. It's worldwide. And it was built up by God with many men and women who went before us and finished their lives strong in their faith. Their lives of faithful actions have been permanently added to the great cloud of faithful witnesses. So the question is, how will their witness affect you? My challenge for the church this morning is to embrace your part in God's great cloud of witnesses. God is in you. He dwells in you. He speaks through you. God shows himself to people through you. So when the next generation of cloud watchers come and they're looking for God and guidance in their lives, well then the question is, how will your life affect those who are watching you? Make your life one of faith. Keep your life in faith. And your life will surround the Lord's people with encouragement and confidence for the rest of time to come. Now most of us here have likely been influenced by God's great cloud of witnesses. And to be influenced by God's great cloud of witnesses makes you compelled to respond in faith. The response of faith in Jesus Christ is baptism for the forgiveness of sins and the receiving of the Holy Spirit. As we sing our invitation song, the church encourages anyone who has not yet been baptized, come forward. Do it today. And you'll be added to the cloud of faithful witnesses. Let's all stand and sing.